Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the Light, the Fight podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to the second episode of OG Therapy. I'm your host, David Kozlowski, and today's lesson is going to be for you moms out there. That's right. I'm very familiar with mom guilt. Now, if you're not familiar with mom guilt, let me tell you. It's like dad guilt, just a lot worse. Mom guilt lasts longer. Mom guilt doesn't just get to eat something and go to sleep and wake up and it's magically gone. I'm a dad. Sometimes I'm not able to remember the things I felt guilty of the night before because I don't wake up with that on my hard drive as the first thing in the morning that gets me up and gets me motivated and gets me going. I usually have to have my wife remind me that I should still feel bad about something I said the night before. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. I said something that was like my former self, the idiot version of me. I could probably go and apologize to one of my kids for getting a little you know, too heated with them the night before. So mom guilt is definitely different, but for all you moms out there that suffer with this condition called mom guilt, and if it lingers and lasts for a long period of time, well, then this this episode is just for you. So I'm going to tell you a little story. You need comfortable stories here in OG therapy because that's what this one's all about. These episodes to open up the office door of what it's been like for many of the people that I've counseled throughout the years. And I'm thankful for the people throughout the years I've counseled because they trusted in me to open up, share the most sincere thoughts, feelings, insecurities, worries, and trusted that I could take all this information and not use it against them to make them feel worse about themselves. I can tell you as a therapist, as a clinician, as they say in in mental health, I could diagnose people with lots of things. Some people could come to me every single time and I could probably you know, conjure up a new diagnosis almost every single time because they'll tell me something new, tell me something I didn't see or hear before. But instead of trying to look at how do I diagnose them with all their issues, I try to help them pick a couple specific things to work on. And as we work on those things, I help them to add to those. And then we look at other things that maybe they'd like to improve as well. So this is one thing that I've seen has been very common with, you know, all the mothers out there throughout my life or throughout, well, Definitely throughout my life, but definitely during my private practice, this is something that all the good moms out there came to me and told me they struggled with. So let's imagine a scenario where a mom has a child and this child is a teenager. The teenager has been struggling with addiction, mental health issues. Then the teenager turns into a young adult. The young adult still has drug addiction issues and also still has mental health issues, but now they are no longer under the age of 18. They're no longer safely protected by the parents. They're trying to live on their own. Well, in this scenario and situation of this family and this mother that I'm thinking of, this child did not do well when he got out of the home. In fact, there's multiple drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers and mental health treatment facilities that this young man had to go to. So many that the parents were seeing quite a big bill rack up. 
In between his stays at these drug addiction facilities and at these different treatment facilities, he would sometimes have a short stint at their house, only for it to usually end with him going back to treatment. And one of the things that were common besides this young man, you know, relapsing and and abusing drugs was he was also abusing his mother. Now, was he physically abusing his mother? No. Verbally, mm, not like angrily yelling at her, but was he abusing her love? Was he taking advantage of everything that she did for him, was willing to do for him, and did he know better than anyone else on this planet there's no way that she would let him fail or let him live one day of his life not believing and not knowing that she loved him. Yes, this was a very good mother. She worked very hard to be able to care and love for him despite his addiction. However, she got taken advantage of many times because of it. She would usually come in to me and say, well, it happened again. And I'll be like, "Um, what are you referring to this time? Well, we got a call from Visa, Discover, whatever credit card it was that time. And again, he stole our credit card number using our credit card, racked up a couple thousand dollars. Well, this has happened on a couple different occasions. Finally, this one that I'm referring to that brought this mother in to see me was a situation where it was a lot of money. In fact, more than he'd ever stolen from them before. He was at their house just for a short period of time, you know, in between one treatment facility, didn't work out. They're trying to get him to another treatment facility. And in that time, while they're planning to move him from one facility that costed $20,000 to a facility that costed $25,000, in between that time, he stole the number on their credit card and used it to purchase lots of just fun things that he wanted, totaling up thousands of dollars. So the mom this time, she was furious. She was upset. She was at an impasse. She was at a cross in the roads because she was a very strong, assertive woman. She was a woman that had owned businesses and she'd done well for herself because she worked hard. She prided herself of keeping her life together and keeping her life in order. However, this woman was parenting scared. Her son had already had numerous suicide close calls. Numerous times where she wasn't sure if when she got that phone call in the middle of the night, if that was a phone call that he was dead by suicide, dead by addiction, you know, overdose or if he was in jail. So this mother, every time she'd come to me with these big angry feelings and hurt emotions of what her son had done, she'd vent all those things, and at the very end of the conversation, I could see her retreat and pull back to, but I can't do anything about it. There's nothing I could possibly do. How could I possibly put my son in check? How could I possibly hold his feet to the fire and teach him these valuable lessons when he's so fragile? If I do anything that he doesn't want, if I show the slightest sign of like, I'm not supporting him or I don't love him, he's going to run away, he's going to threaten suicide, and he's potentially become dangerous and maybe even overdose. So she felt as if she was damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. So she went on to tell me more about the situation. And it was in this conversation, I had quite an epiphany. It, had some, it was something that came to my mind that in a roundabout way I'd told other mothers before. Because I can't sit in front of a mom and just say, well, you know, you just need to kick him out of the house and you just need to do this and do that and you'll be totally fine and you need to stand your ground and toe the line. Everybody told this mom to do that. 
And in every other aspect of her life, that's the type of person she was. She was very assertive and she didn't get taken advantage of. She held her ground. But with this boy, he'd been through trauma in his early life. I don't want to give away too much information, but he lost someone really close to him. And because of that, the mom knew his pain, knew so much of his pain was associated with the traumas that he endured in his early childhood. So no matter how hard, no matter how angry she was, no matter upset and how how many things she wanted to do, she could never successfully keep him out of her house, successfully put him in a treatment center and put a, a really good boundary between the two of them. He was always able to come back and ask for more and do whatever he wanted to do. Well, in this particular case, I told her something that, like I said, I'd said before in different ways, but I'd never nailed it quite like this. And for some reason, when she heard this, something clicked. Something changed inside of her from being, I can't do anything to hold my son accountable. I can't, I can't, I can't because, you know, everything bad's going to happen to she has to do some things she was never willing to do before. So in this case, found out he sold a bunch of money. They were taking a while to get him into uh, another treatment center. She didn't feel right having him there at the house. She wanted to kick him out, but felt she couldn't. So in our conversation, I told her, I said, or I asked her, I said, hey, I said, uh, what's one of the big reasons why you don't give up on your son? Besides the fact that you're his mom, besides the fact that you love him, but like some moral reasons, some, some things that are personal to you. One thing was in particular was her faith. She said she's a strong uh, Christian woman. She believed that God can heal, that through Jesus Christ, um, that her son could be forgiven, he could be healed, you know, and all those things. He just has to do his part. I said, okay. All right, so I go, so it's important for you. Or that's what she said. She goes, it's important for me to constantly bear testimony to my son and tell him how much I love him. And by telling how much I love him, that makes me feel better so he doesn't ever think I don't support him and I don't love him. So, okay, all right. So what you're telling me is that you'll do anything for him to show him that you love him. But when he doesn't reciprocate that, he steals from you, takes things from you, you still feel like there's no way that you can have any boundaries between you and him because it may push him over the edge. She said, yeah. I said, so you want to bear testimony that you love him. I said, well, let me ask you one more question. This Jesus Christ you speak of that can save him. Does Jesus Christ come down in the middle of the night and pick him up off his bed, cure him of his addictions, tell him to be respectful and quit stealing money, and then put him back in his bed and he's all fixed when he wake up and everything's fine? She laughs. She's like, no. Obviously, it doesn't work like that. I said, okay. So even the person that's can save him according to your beliefs, according to your strong spiritual beliefs. And this was something very important to her. I said, even the person that can save him, Jesus Christ, that's his name is the savior, right? At least that's his nickname. Even he would need your son to make some changes in his life in order for him to be saved. Is that correct? She said, well, yeah, I, I guess it is correct. I said, well, then next time you see your son, I want you to repeat this in your mind like over and over in a loop as you're talking with him. And I bet this is going to change your body language. It's going to change the way you approach your son. And it's also going to change what you state to your son. 
By the way, I left out a small detail. Her and her husband weren't doing so well in their marriage because of these issues. Her husband was at his wit's end. They were basically at the point where the husband was like, it's either him or me. You either have to kick him out this time, whether he has a place to stay right now for a drug treatment center or not, or, you know, we might have to separate. I may have to leave and go somewhere else. So she was really in a difficult position. She obviously didn't want to lose her husband or marriage, but she obviously felt this protective nature that she had to be there for her son no matter how bad he treats her, no matter what he does. So this was the sentence that I asked her to repeat in her mind when she was talking to her son because she knew she had to give her son some very bad news. And the sentence goes like this. I love you and I can't save you. See, this boy was very clever, very manipulative. And by the way, I liked him a lot too. Talk about charismatic and charming and whew. Me and his mom used to always joke around and say, single-handedly, he could save the world or he could blow it up. Like he was that powerful of an individual. So I said, can you have your son stay at your house right now knowing that he just stole thousands of dollars from you? She said, not if I want to save my marriage. I said, okay, that's one thing. But can you have your son respect you and see you as a powerful woman that's capable of keeping him safe from even himself if you were to continue this pattern of letting him stay at the house? She goes, no, no, I know he needs to go. I just don't know if I feel strong enough to do it. I said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, I love you and I cannot save you in your mind when you tell your son, when you get home today, because she knew she had to make the decision, She'd finally decided that she was going to have to kick him out. I said, when you get home today and you look at him, I want you to simply tell him, son, I love you. And you know, until we find a place for you to stay, you're going to have to stay somewhere else. We found out about the credit card spending. We're not going to make a big deal of that. What's done is done. Um, but this time, the police, it was over a certain dollar amount. The police are involved. There's nothing we can do about it. They called us, they contacted us, we shared with them that we didn't know who it was, they found out that it was you, long story short, we can't save you from this one, son. And in your mind, I told her, just keep on saying, I love you and I can't save you. Her biggest fear and worry when she was with her son, and I saw it many times in our sessions, she would tell him something that she was fearful that he wouldn't accept or who wouldn't like, and she would look at him like, are you okay with what I just said? Like, so I was concerned that she was going to go home and say, you really got to move out. Is that okay with you? If, if you move out on short notice with not really anywhere to go or anything to do, or by the way, he had tons of friends, very charismatic, but he wanted to stay at his mom and dad's house. Cause it was a really nice house. And he had lots of nice privileges there. Lots of fun things, cool toys and all that stuff like that. So this time when she went home, she did exactly what I said to do. She came back a week later and we sat down, we talked about it. She told me something came over her son that she'd never seen before. Now, if you're familiar with addiction, if you've known anyone or tried to love anyone or had to parent anyone that was struggling with addiction, it's not a fun thing and it's definitely not an easy thing for either party. And in this situation, she said something happened that she never, ever thought would happen. She told him just based on what I said to say and she stopped and she just looked at him, put her head down, just kind of nodded her head. She was looking down the floor, 
being very non-confrontational, very humble. And he looked at her, this really weird, suspicious look, and he said, what's wrong with you? She said, excuse me? He said, something's not right. Something's wrong with you. Why are you talking to me like this? She's like, I, I really don't know what you're saying. He's the last couple times I stole money from me, stole a credit card. You flipped out. You got angry and you upset. This is really worrying me. You're not even upset? She said, well, it's not that I'm not upset. I just realized that this has nothing to do with me. You would have stole money from whoever your mom was. It's nothing personal towards me. As much as I love you, I, I can't save you. I can't make you do the things that you know you need to do and only you can do. So I'm not happy, but I'm definitely not upset. I'm not going to ruin our relationship because you made a choice that, that hurt me. I don't think this was personal. And I know you love me and I love you too. Your room at you know, the treatment facility you're supposed to be going to, she said, you'll be able to check in at the end of the month. That's when they'll be open. Here's the number of all the people. Here's your cell phone. Here's everything you need. Here's all your clothes in your bags. And I'm very confident you that you'll be successful. And that was it. He got upset. He got frustrated. But there's nothing he could say or do. It was not like up for debate. And uh, he walked out and he left. Well, the husband was in the waiting room. He came in and he talked to me about the situation. They sat next to each other. They held each other's hands. He confessed to her that he loves her. And he couldn't save her from trying to save her son. They had a very deep conversation. She realized that her admiration for wanting her son to change his life showed that she was a good mom. But she was scared that if she didn't do everything she could, her son maybe would give up on himself. And I told her, if your son does not know that you love him now and have always loved him, and if he doubts that in any way, shape, or form, it's, it just wouldn't make any sense. Your son knows how much you love him. He knows you've always been there for him. He knows what you want him to do versus what he's actually doing. It's not required for you to save him or feel that you were in the, you were, it's your job to be his emotional caregiver and save him from everything that could possibly hurt him. Now, I wasn't being cavalier and telling her that she should just give up on him. Of course not. That was not in her DNA. There's no way she could have given up on this young man. But I wanted her to see was one simple truth. A, she loves him state it, put out there to the universe, and B, another simple truth. She can't save him. If Jesus Christ, the Savior himself, can't come down and take his addictions away, take his, his spending habits and, you know, and, and his thievery away, well, then neither could she. Well, there's a lot of uh, good times since then. This was years ago. This young man's doing very good much better, but that was a huge turning point in his mom's life because a lot of you moms out there, you want to do everything that you can for your kid. You've sworn that you do everything for you can for your kid and by doing everything you can for your kid is actually enabling your kid or slowing them down from learning the lessons that only life can teach them. Because like I said, you can love your child and you can't necessarily save them at the same time. Well, thank you guys as always for being uh, here with us. Uh, I know it's only the second episode of OG Therapy, but that's a conversation and a situation I've had with many moms. And since then, I've used that simple statement, I love you and I cannot save you. 
It's very important if you want to be able to be there for your kids, be the best mom you can, but also live in reality. That is something that I suggest you try doing. And when you say it in your mind as you're talking to your kid, let's say your kid's complaining, you never do this for me. When I was five years old, you weren't there for me. And you're just sitting there in your mind going, what the heck is that? <laughs> really? When I was five, when you're five years old? Because you know how it is. Our kids get pretty desperate sometimes if they think that they're, they're losing us. Well, if, if we're angry at them, if we're frustrated with them, we're engaged with the fight and they can leave from that fight just like her son would leave. See, my mom's this horrible tyrant. She's this horrible person because she's trying to kick me out. I'm a victim. And so because of that, she doesn't love me. Well, I can tell you, you can love your kids. You can want to save them. And the reality of it is you can't save them at the same time. Saying those things inside your mind in any situation with your kids will just help your body language, your facial expressions, and everything be very sincere and very genuine because you're living in reality. You're not living in your hopes and dreams. There's a lot of things that you want for your kids that you just can't give them, whether it be financially, whether it be physically, and there's a lot of things that you want to prove to them that you would do for them. At the end of the day, if you love them and you help them in everything that you can that does not stop them from helping themselves then you may not be saving them, but you're supporting them. And ultimately, that's the number one thing you can do and what you're capable of doing. Support, not saving. Well, thank you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of OG Therapy. And until next time, be cool.